So a man was given a ranch as a gift. Awesome. And that's where we begin today. This man receives this ranch, and it's a gift. And as he walks onto the ranch the day that he receives it, he's got a little letter. And here's the words that were on the letter. Proverbs chapter 27. Here's what it says. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever. As life, uh, no, and crowns is not secure for all generations. So this man receives this ranch. He gets this letter. And in this letter, it just tells you, this is what you're supposed to do. So day one, I don't know if you guys are ranchers or farmers or have a garden or something. He goes out and he tends to the ranch. And what they do is, if you have that, you, you walk the property. I know some of you guys are watching uh, 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 Kevin Costner. And he does the same thing, but that's not a healthy movie to be watching or a show. But the idea is they know the ranch. Every square inch of the ranch. Every month he goes through and touches every animal and sees every square inch of the ranch to make sure the ranch is taken care of. Because, because that's what the letter told him to do. Take care of all the crops, all the trees. He knows exactly which one needs to be trimmed and, and shaved down and which one is doing well. As life happens. Anybody know that statement? As life happens, this man meets a woman. Praise God. And that woman and the man decide that they are going to get married. And she is super excited. And as she shows up on the ranch, she's like, this is amazing. And so she says, but I want to have a family. And I think we need to build a bigger ranch. And so the man as life happens, it's like working on the house, building rooms. And then during a marriage, kids happen. The house keeps growing. Kids are born one after another, after another, after another. And finally, the family's complete. But as life happens, you know that statement. Tragedy or trials occur. And you can add your own tragedy because you know what life is. Divorce, death, pandemic, uh, bankruptcy, brokenness in your marriage or in your life, your kids. John chapter 16, 13, at the end of John's, uh, Jesus' communication as he heads into a place of prayer, he says this, and you guys all know the verse. It says, in this world there will be many troubles. As life happens. Tragedy strikes. And you know what happens when tragedy strikes? We need resources. We need to pull from whatever we have. And so what this man does is he goes back to the thing that he was given. This ranch. He's got a family. He's got a ranch. But really the ranch is where he can pull the resources. And as life has happened in his life, the ranch is kind of dilapidated. It's working. He's not losing it. But as he goes out and surveys the ranch, he's got a lot of regrets because the whole North 40 over there, the fence has fallen down. The trees and the, and the garden hasn't been really, really tended to. There's lots of weeds. 
there's just a lot of work. And I didn't realize how much work was on a ranch until I went to my friend Richard's ranch and he let me work out there. There's a lot of stuff to do. As life happens, this man surveys and finds, man, I've neglected this place because my life has gotten so full. So here's the moral of the story. Do not neglect the gift that gave you everything in your life. Be a good steward. We're so grateful that you're here today joining us. If you're online, a special welcome. Hopefully you'll stick around and listen to the whole message because it might pull you a little bit, but we're grateful that you're here. Outside, let's hear from you today. If you guys aren't here, you got to hear. If you're watching online, we have a place inside and outside. It's awesome, it's powerful, and it's still kind of giving people room to grow and be safe and comfortable in whatever fashion they want to. So we're grateful that you're here. We are going through a sermon series called Elements, and we're trying to teach the elements of faith. What brings you closer to God? What are the elements that bring you closer? On Easter Sunday, we started it, and one of the things that we need to do that's an element is to learn to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ not just on Easter Sunday but every Sunday because Jesus is alive he's not dead and he's alive here today and so week one we talked about learning to celebrate too often we get our nose into the grindstone and we're just kind of going after life and we forget to wake up and go man regardless of how much money is in my account I got six dollars and 82 cents praise Jesus it's not negative. And so that's where we're at. First day, celebration. And then we went out back to a dog park. The dogs are there today with their human owners. And we taught about community and we lived in community. We shared food, we broke bread, we worshiped together. And you know what happened? Our community groups grew. Jeremy told me like 39%. Uh, people join community groups because they realize how critical they are. People that were in community groups in the pandemic grew and stayed connected to the church. Community is important. It's essential and we've got to be a part of it and we are rebuilding this community. Three, we talked about service. Jesus washing the feet and those words that he said were, we need to be of service. That was the following. And then last week, Jeremy gave a very complex message about simplicity. Now here's the thing about the gospel. It's pretty easy or simple, but it's not easy. Meaning there's not much to do in the sense of I got to trust God every day of my life. The problem is as life happens, I don't do that. So he gave this very complex message to teach us about simplicity and how Jesus is simple. Not always easy, but very simple. And there's a couple more that's going to happen. We're going to talk about prayer, integrity, evangelizing, worship, leadership. These are all elements. Today, we're going to talk about being a good steward. Being a good steward. And that's why we're using that ranch story. Here's what it means to be a good steward. Here's the dictionary definition. I'll give you another one at the end of the message. But here it is. The job of supervising or taking care of something such as an organization or property. That's what a good steward is. So hopefully today you're ready to hear what God has to say. We're going to turn to our, our Bible in Hebrews chapter 10 and we're going to read from it. But here's my kind of thesis of the day. As believers in Christ, we must be good stewards in their life. In your life, in my life. And the only thing I can do is share my life with you. 
And hopefully that encourages encourages you, challenges you, and helps you grow. Because I can't tell you what to do. I wish I could give you what God has given me, a passion and a fire for the Lord. But your job is to gather yourself around coals that are hot so that your coal can light up and be a fire so that others can take warmth and, and shelter in your life. Does that make sense? And that's what we're trying to do today. As believers in Christ, we must be good stewards in this life. Now, a couple weeks ago, we were having a, a, a council board uh, Uh, meeting at my house and a couple of guys are on the board and we were just hanging out talking about the church and my buddy Ray Bat said these three words when I accepted Jesus he was uh, one of those you know crazy Jesus guys in the 70s he's still crazy but now he's maturely crazy and he said when I accepted Jesus several years ago I won't tell you how many years ago it was but it was a long time like 40 but I'm not going to tell you that He said, when I accepted Christ, there were four, three C's that I needed to accept. I accepted Christ, I accepted his cause, and I accepted the church. And I was like, man, I got my phone out, and I'm like, that was cool. And that's where the message goes today. So here's the three points that we're going to talk about. Don't neglect the church, don't neglect his cause, and don't neglect Christ. I kind of said that backwards because I'm dyslexic, but... You guys will get it as I go through it. So we're opening up to the book of Hebrews. And in Hebrews, it's an interesting book because it tells us two major things. We did a sermon through some of it a couple of, a couple of it's been six or eight months now. But here's the two things that you need to know about the book of Hebrews and what it teaches all of us. Number one is Jesus is supreme. Jesus is Lord and Savior, and He is supreme over everything and everybody. That's the first thing that Hebrews taught, teaches us. And the second thing is that He challenges us, the author challenges us to remain faithful through the trials as life happens. So that's the two things. And so we turn to Hebrews chapter 10. We go to the middle, about verse 19, and that's where we're going to begin. We're going to begin, and we're going to talk about Christ, the cause and the church. First one says, do not neglect Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Here's what it says. And so, dear brothers and sisters. Now, I don't know. I'm just going to stop there. And this is not, I'm just telling you. I, I, I think you guys need to understand this. There was a moment when the Dead Sea Scrolls were going to Israel in, in February. There's a moment when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. And when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, they found two things. Number one, that the Bible was exactly... Uh, the, the one that they found was 150 years older than the one that they currently had. So it showed that, hey, this thing was real. It's, it's powerful. And the other thing it talked about is in exclusivity. It talked about everyone. And all of a sudden, translation started to not say brethren or brother, but it started talking about brothers and sisters because the church of, the, of Christ, the church that God has built through Jesus Christ, includes women, it includes children, and it includes man, it includes everybody in this earth. And that's what we see in newer translations because you see it's for everyone. It's important. It's important. It's going to be more important as we grow in this world today. So it says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Father, we love you. And I pray someone that's on the outside of that door today, on the outside of the veil, will boldly enter into a place that they've never been before. 
I pray right now that you rip the veil, Lord, and you allow us to enter into your presence and that we come to the holiest of holies and the Spirit of God falls in a way that it's never fallen before. I pray outside will feel so powerful, uh, your spirit so powerful and feel connected. I pray that someone online that is desperate and hurting and is ready to click off right now, I pray that they have the fortitude to stay on and stay strong. I pray for those that are in here today that you will strengthen us and grow us. Lord, I pray that the challenge won't be something that we shy away from, but something that we'll press into right now. Lord, teach us how to keep you supreme. In Jesus' name, amen. So it says, brothers, we can boldly enter into heaven's most beautiful place. You know, as you walk in here, it could be right now, right where you're sitting. This is a fact. It's not a, a, an encouragement. It's not just like, hey, you're encouraged. This is actually a fact of what has happened, and we'll talk about that. We have access to approach God. Is that beautiful? I can go before God. You don't have to come to me because I'm going to get in the way of your relationship with God. Wherever you're at, in your house, in your home, in your car, at school or work, online, outside, uh, indoors, you have direct access to God. Don't let me get in the way of that. And that's what we're talking about here. That's what uh, the, uh, the, the author writes here. And it says the point is simple that we, take we must take advantage of this access and go boldly through those doors. Take advantage of that. Take advantage. So here's what happened. Back in the day before Jesus, there was this thing called the Day of Atonement. And what would happen on the Day of Atonement would be that one time a year, one of the priests would draw, drew the lottery, would go behind the curtain. And you know what he would do? As he walked back, he was had great fear and trembling going, I might die if I'm not clean and I didn't do all the correct sacrifices. So he didn't go back there excited going, I'm going to shine with the glory of God and I'm going to be in God's presence. He went in in fear going, I might die. Because I'm a filthy, dirty sinner, and there's a chance I didn't do the sacrifices correctly. But listen, Christians in today, Christ has changed that so we can boldly go in and not have any fear like Tara talked about. We can have faith that we can walk in and be in the presence of God. Verse 20 says, by Jesus' death, Jesus opened up a new and living way through the curtain into the most holy place. I don't know about you, but I like new. I wish they would shut my Amazon account down. I like new. But listen, we all like something new and shiny. Listen, this is new and a life-giving way. And this was what it means. God is telling us, God is telling us that this is something that's fresh on his mind every day. And if it's fresh in his mind, it should be fresh in our mind. This happened 2,000 years ago, and it's still not stale. It's preserved because God wants it preserved, and he wants you to understand that. It's not stale. It's powerful because Jesus is alive. He's not dead. That's why they made the movie. Do you want to text everybody right now? God's not dead. One, two, and six. The point is Jesus is alive and if he is alive and I believe in him, I'm alive and I get to be more alive than I ever have. Yeah. And don't clap for me 
Clap because you are too. You are too. You're alive. And now if I'm alive, I can go to a community center in the middle of Camarillo and I can be in the presence of God. And I can experience him and I can feel him and I can worship him and I can love him and I can cry to him and I can bring my brokenness to him and I can bring my heart and soul and say, Lord, help, Lord, fix, Lord, be for me. Jesus once and for all, the author says, once and for all broke down all the barriers to God. Christian word, this is a Christian term, and at this church we're trying to break down the term so it doesn't become so Christianese, meaning it's all about Christians, because not everybody today understands Christianity. What the word in the, in the Christian uh, faith would say, the veil is torn, but God breaks down those barriers. And listen, it's a really cool thing. The veil was torn from the top, so it's like these curtains up here. It was torn from the top all the way to the bottom, and they left a little piece at the bottom to, to show you that, hey, it, it was torn right and connected but it was torn from the top that no human can do only God can do and the second thing that it was torn it was torn so that it would never be placed up again it couldn't be used that way because the veil had been torn and disregarded because Jesus has broken the barrier and now all of us have access to God I don't know if you guys are getting this we get to go into the holiest of holies and boldly come to the presence of God let me give you an example my car registration's overdue, and I need to go to the DMV, and I show up on a Monday thinking I'm going to get it done, and I walk in, and there's no line. I can boldly come to the person who's happy <laughs> and get my registration done. No line. What a miracle. Oh, you guys aren't getting it? Let me give you another one. I pay $195 to go one side of the park at Disneyland. And as I pay my $195 to get into the one side of the park, I walk in and I can boldly go to the front of every line because there's nobody there. I can have bold access. That's what we're talking about. Oh, you guys aren't getting it? On Wednesday before Thanksgiving, I got to get a turkey and a few things for my family. And I go to Costco in Oxnard. And there's no per people in the parking lot. I get a few things and I get out in less than 10 minutes. It's a miracle. I boldly went to Costco. All right, now you're getting it. Here's the last one. I'm late to the airport. Yes, LAX. I got an hour to get there. It ain't going to happen. But listen, the way that the, the veil was torn, there's no traffic and I get there in 48 minutes. That <laughs> the point is this, that you have access, that you can boldly go into a place and nobody on earth can stop you from that. Isn't that awesome? And that's what we're celebrating today. Here's what uh, Paul writes about this, about this Christ. He says, uh, Colossians 1.15, Christ is the visible image of an invisible God. We can't see God, but we've seen Jesus. We don't have Jesus here. He's in heaven, but we see him in all the people around us that are living for him and serving him. And so Christ is the visible image of an invisible God. He's the human source so that we can connect to God. And all of that's done today by the Holy Spirit speaking to us today. And then it says, He existed before 
anything was created, and he is what? Supreme over creation. That's his goal. That was what he was written for. That's what he came into the existence for, to be supreme over everything. And so here's the point. If Christ is supreme over everything, then our relationship with him should be supreme. I don't know if you're getting that. Let's read it again. If Christ is supreme, then our relationship with him should be supreme. Be a good steward. Till the soil. Some of you have got big weeds that we can't even see the fruit. Verse 21. And then, since we have a high priest who rules over God's house, that is Jesus. He, in Hebrews, he talks about he is greater than any high priest. We have this high priest. Let us go into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. Again, they're talking about this veil that's been torn. Let's go in and not fear of the day of atonement and trembling like I'm going to die. But let's go in because I'm clean. And he talks about that. For our guilty conscience have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. He talks about being sprinkled by the blood of Jesus Christ and washed in Christ through baptism so that I can come to church once and for all, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, washing the feet clean and ready to experience God with no fear and no trembling and, and, and all the access that God has given us. And so here is all that's happened. The author of Hebrews is just giving us a summary of what Christ has died for, you and me. Humans are the great forgetters. We forget all the time. We will forget what the message is by 3 o'clock today. Eat a light lunch, take a few notes, and you might remember it tomorrow. But we forget, and so we need to be reminded. The gospel is simple. Jesus died, and he rose again, and he's alive, and all who believe are alive. And because of that, we have life everlasting because of Christ and what he did on the cross. And if you took a poll of church, i probably say that 40 times out of 52 weeks. And I only teach 35 times. So do the math. Our heart is clean. No matter how broken and how shattered it is, it's clean. For that person online that's crying right now, the Lord is saying, you're forgiven, you're clean, and that you're loved. We're clean. We're washed. Whatever's happened and whatever you've done, it's different because God is different through his son. And it's not different like, hey, it's a new thing. It's different and new because Christ is different and new and he changes this world. In light of what Jesus did, let us draw near to God and not neglect Christ. Let us come boldly to the throne room of Christ. So let me make this very clear. There's a guy in the story at the beginning. He got a ranch. You and I are the guy. And the ranch, that gift, is Jesus Christ. I just want to be very clear. I don't want you to walk out going, I don't know what the story's about. That's the story. 
And we are to be good stewards of that relationship. So the first part was do not neglect that relationship. Here's the second part. Do not neglect the cause. Let's answer that. Let us hold tightly, Hebrews says, without wavering to those, uh, without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Love that. Let us think of other ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. So, who is he writing to? And what is their struggle? Do you know that the people that the book of Hebrews was written for was to a discouraged group of Christians? A discouraged, probably a mature group. They knew the Old Testament, so he was bringing in that. So they were probably very strong in their faith. They weren't you know, they didn't, un they understood God and they were very discouraged. And so what happens with discouraged believers, do you know what happens? When God doesn't work and God doesn't move in the way that we want, we wander. We drift. We kind of set sail going due north and all of a sudden we're south in La Paz. That's Mexico if you've never been there before. Beautiful sandy beaches. Here's what we do. When God doesn't answer me correctly, when God doesn't respond the way I want, when God's not really moving in the way that I want, or I don't see him moving at all, you know what we do? We start to do human planning for godly promises. That doesn't work. Listen, I get in the way of all of my good stuff all the time. I get in the way of me and God because I think I know what God wants for me. The truth is, apart from God, I end up in handcuffs and jail cells wondering what they're serving for lunch today. A sandwich. <laughs> the point is this. We need to stop helping God. He doesn't need your help. And not waver. When God doesn't answer us, we want to get in the way. Where are you, God? I've got to work more. I've got to do more. I've got to be stronger. No, you've got to be weaker because it says in, his, in your weakness, he is strong. Amen. So bring your weakness before the throne room and boldly enter into that throne room and walk the, watch the glory of God rise up in your life. The reason he, we stand strong is it says, let us hold tightly to the hope that we affirm in God because we hold strong to God because he can, be he can be trusted. His promises come true and it's far better to rely on him than yourself because I don't know about you, I break promises. I break promises. God and his goodness, he keeps promises. He is faithful, he is worthy, he is worthy to be trusted, and whatever you're feeling today, realize if you just believe that this is good and this is God, he will fulfill it. And I got to get out of the way. And I can't let my circumstances derail me from that, and that's what we really see. So when I am renewed, when I'm living this new and life-giving way, I have confidence in Christ. This says grasping or holding tightly to that promise. And when I do that, then I could live for his causes. And I know you guys are like, what is the cause? Here's the cause, to make the good news known. Amen. That's it. That's how simple it is. Make the good news available to everyone in this earth. That is the cause. That is what we are to do. I believe in Christ. He saves me from myself and saves me from my sin. And then I take on his cause, which is to share that with another person. 
That is the good news and that is the cause that we need to be a part of. And Jesus, uh, they're taught in verse 27 what Jesus can do. He says this, the author writes, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. We try and do that at this church. Let's motivate each other. Let's be challenged. Let's be encouraged. Let's, Let's be convicted to be motivated to do the work and will of God. And what is that? The good news. That's your gift. You've received it. And most of us store it up in a 401k going, man, I hope my, my, uh, my manager of my money knows how to make that work really good for me. That's not how it works. You've got to take a hold of your gift and be responsible and be a good steward of that. We must be challenged and motivated to do the work and will of God. So what does that mean? I accept Jesus and my name is no longer Jeff, it's child of God. Christian is just a term. It actually was used as a derogatory term. Really, my name is child of God. Of the, uh, I'm under the, the, the highest one on earth. I am a child of God. And if I consider myself a child of God, then I must cover, be, uh, then his cause must be covered by his children. So if you call yourself a child, a child of God, then you must cover the cause. How? Let me give you three quick ways to do that. Number one, we talked about this two weeks ago. Be of service. Be of service to the kingdom of God. Number one, be of service. I should wake up every day and say, I'm an offering to you, Lord. Take my will and and my life and show me how to live so that I can do the work and will of your life and not worry about my life because my life will pan out if God's life is supreme in my life. Thank you. I'm an offering. Listen, I don't have that much to offer. But whatever I am and whatever I have, I'm going to bring it to the Lord. The second thing is his cause must be covered in prayer. His cause must be covered in prayer. At my buddy uh, Richard, his farm, we're going to have men. We're going to talk about prayer and how to cover the, the pastor team. But we need to cover his cause. You need to wake up and pray. Lord, who needs the good news in my life? Who am I going to reach at Starbucks? Who am I going to reach at work or school? Who needs the good news? And then I try and live that out. That's the cause. And I need to cover that in prayer. When you pray for it, God will reveal who needs that good news. And you will then be able to go, hey, listen, I'm a believer. And here's what God has done in my life. Let me give you some good news. You don't have to live like that anymore. But it's being covered in prayer. So here's the question. Jeremy hit this pretty hard. What are you praying for right now? Your cause or his cause? I just wrecked my whole prayer for all week. So now I got to rewrite my prayer list. Because I don't know if I'm praying for his cause enough. It's tough. Here's the last one. Everybody take a drink. Not of alcohol. Just take a drink. We also need to cover financially. No cheers there? Yeah, thank you. A lot of cheering there. It costs to serve Christ. It costs to love people. 
It costs to gather in a building. It costs to gather outside. It costs actually to gather online if you're all at home. Just like it costs at your house. Water, electricity. Oh, don't forget the Wi-Fi. And if it's not blazing hot, fast, whew, you guys are dead. But it costs. And I don't ever do this that much. And, and this is kind of my fault. But let me do this for you. And I'm just going to tell you, here's the quick costs. And I, uh, we're going to have a business meeting or a, view, a value and vision meeting. But here's the cost. And listen, a year ago, these numbers were different. The more, that you, the more that is in the giving, these numbers go down. So here's the first cost. Uh, it costs right now 65% of everything that we bring in to pay the staff. Last year at this time, a year ago, it was 53%. That's a fixed number. The more money coming in, that changes. The second one is this. The expenses, and I'm, we're talking nothing. Five or six grand at most. 18%. Look at our building. You know churches in Camarillo? are three times or four times that number. It's 30% or more, if not beyond that. And then the last one, I don't know if you guys know this, but we give away 11% uh, on average, 11 to 13%. So let me give you an example. If we receive $500,000 in a year, it's a pretty good number, we give away $55,000 of that to other people. Is that amazing? And then... And then, up until about four or five months ago, we used to save 10%. So we would save 50000 That's why we were ready to buy a building and be in a building, because we save money. So I'm not telling you this because I'm going to take an offering right now. I'm just telling you this is the cause, and this is what it costs to do the cause. Now listen, the, the numbers actually are higher than this. If you do the math and you do the total, what's the total? It's actually 110. I actually saved you because I'm too afraid to tell you. It's probably like 114. And somebody would say, well, just quit giving the money away. Listen, listen to what happens to the money that we give away. First of all, during the, right before the pandemic, a group, a couple of family members and the church partnered up and we built a bridge. We built a bridge in Peru. And it doesn't sound like that's a big deal, but listen, the, the, the people on the other side couldn't get their goods and services over, so a group of people in this church put some money in and built a bridge so that people can eat and have food and life. When you give, we do things like that and connect people to food and sustenance. That's just one thing that we've done recently, and I'm talking the last couple of years. That's just one that you need to understand. That's how it works. This, here's a couple of other things. We, we support Gabriel's house, a place in Oxnard. We have this room. It's called the Journey Room. It houses four or five people. And in that room, there's someone that's being ministered to and getting pulled off the streets and growing their kids God's way. And so they have a new life. And so we give to that every month. Plus, we give to all their other things that they're doing. With every dollar that comes in, we make sure they have something. We're part of Action Area, a bunch of churches, about 45 churches in Ventura County trying to serve this community. We're about Young Life. Young Life is in the junior high and high schools, bringing new people into faith, serving pizza. You'll be surprised what a little Caesar pizza can do in a high school. Talk to Young Life, they're doing it. Uh, 
We have Cameron and Lisa. They moved from Nepal to Norway. They are working on something at the end of summer called the Send. There's a group of people from this church that are in Kansas City at the Send right now. But they're trying to go in and get 50,000 people into one day, a, a, a facility one day, so that they can change Norway forever. And they're doing it by going into schools, colleges, universities, hospitals, working with children. They're going to go out and they're going to tell people, hey, if you believe in Jesus, take hold of his cause and go out and transform the cause. And we are supporting this couple during this time. And here's the last, here's, I got a couple more. On June 11th, my friend Noah is going to be here. And we've been supporting Noah. Noah has a church in Slovakia. It's called Journey. He's planted a church in the middle of COVID. They shut him down a couple of times, but here's what's happened in the last few weeks or months. They're now housing in this area where they built a church, people from Ukraine. Noah's going to come with his wife and he's going to be out here, but he's actually going to do a message and share with us a little bit of what's happening there. It'll be there on June 11th, so mark that down. It's going to be a really good day. Here's the last thing you need to know. Alicia, who used to be on the worship team and has done every ministry in this church, she is now being trained up and training people to do business and missions. And so we're supporting her so that she can go out and teach people. You can start a business in a foreign country. She's going, she's trying to get to India when they will let her in, and she's going to start a coffee shop and start sharing the gospel with every cup of coffee. This is what we give. So that's nothing. We can't get rid of that giving. All we can do is get new people in and you can start building the cause. Here's got to be your motto. This is what I wake up to every day. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. Do you know what it says? If you don't, take a picture and put it on your wall each and every day because this is our struggle today as Americans. It says, I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ Jesus. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. And when you stop becoming ashamed of Christ, the world will be transformed because we won't be ashamed, but we will be sharing the good news and we'll be sharing the cause. And by coming here and giving, you are about a cause that's changing the world all over. I'm going to just let that conviction sink in a little bit because I'm convicted. The cause of the gospel needs to be greater in your life. And as I say that, you know how many times I said that in the mirror this week? I practiced this message by myself. I've heard that more times. In the cartoon story that I started with, his life causes took over the ranch causes and got in the way. And it wasn't bad stuff. It was all good stuff. How could family and kids and home be bad? But when it gets in the way, it turns out bad. I realize life has causes that need to be addressed. Spouses, kids, home, Healthcare, insurance, Wi-Fi. But Christ has a cost too. And I'm not asking you to sell everything. I'm just asking you to buy into it. When we buy into the cause, when we buy into the cause, the world has changed. It's not about you. 
Most of you have received that gift. A good steward of Christ lives for the cause of Christ. A good steward of Christ lives for the cause of Christ. In light of what Jesus did, we hold steadfast to that truth. And we believe that his promises are good. Let's move on. Do not neglect the church. This last part. One verse. I love the church. I love the church. I love you, church. I loved the church before I was really following the church. I would go to the church on Sundays full of booze and full of drugs and love every minute of it. Never read the Bible, never followed God, never really did anything beyond it. But I used to go to church really before I was a believer. And I loved the, the, loved the part of going to church and I'd, I'd, I'd start crying. I'd never raise my hand because I was too embarrassed. But I could feel the worship, I could feel the words, and I just never took it anything beyond that until God said, I need to put you on a timeout and let the gospel sit in your heart and soul. And the challenge is this, do you love the church? Here's what verse 25 says, do not neglect our meeting together. As some people do. But we need to encourage one another, especially now as the world is upside down and the only solution is God to right-size it. And so either he's going to do this, either he's going to bring a revival and the world is going to change or he's just going to come back on a cloud and we're all going to be lifted up. And so there's something set up, but do not neglect the church because it's time. Something's going to happen. It can't just keep going this way. And so we've got to believe that there's going to be a breakthrough or a new Jerusalem. Some of us go to church out of convenience. Ah, it's convenient. Sunday, fun day. Uh, what's the weather going to be like? Ooh, 65. Let's go to church. Hopefully it don't freeze us out. But we, our motivation for attending church needs to be because of my obedience to God and my love for Christ. Because what does the Bible say? Christ loves the church. One person said Christ loves the church. I think it was my wife. If Christ loved the church and I'm a child of God and I believe in Christ and he is supreme, then I am to love the church. Plain and simple. And I get people that are online right now. I understand it. But we would sure love to have you come once a month. I love the people outside. If, you, if you're not comfortable, we've got inside and outside. I, I, I think it's awesome. And I love you online. I'm not trying to tell you you got to be here. But listen, the church needs people. And we're going to preach to one or one million. doesn't matter to us. Why we gather? Let me get through this. We gather to receive something from God. And this is okay. This is okay. This isn't the purpose, but this is why we gather. A lot of us come in and go, man, I hope the message is good that I receive something. Really, the reason why we come to church is to give something to God. Why do we gather? It's to give something to God. I came here to give something to God. And it's not the message. It's my worship. It's my prayer. It's my offering to you, Lord, because you are worthy of everything that I have. You are my gift, and I'm here to give that to you. We gather to be encouraged. I don't know if you know this, but somebody next to you is broken. Have you seen them crying right now? 
We come to be encouraged and encouraged. We come to bless. We come to love and bless and get out here and go, how can I be of service? How can I minister in my way so that I can help the kingdom of God? We come to bless and love. We come to worship. In a few minutes, we're going to sing a song and we're going to be worshiping and we're going to be in the presence of God and Yahweh is going to be sitting there going, stand and worship and love me and I will love you back and give you more than you could ever imagine. And that's why we come to church because it's so much more powerful when we're together with a bunch of believers. And then we gather together to, for the work of Christ, for the cause. Listen, you're to come to fill up your tank, but that's not the whole purpose. I'm not here to be a gasoline station. We, 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 we don't charge that. Our gas here is free. But it's not for you to survive. Oh, I got to go to church so I can survive this week. It's really, I come to church to give myself to God. And then when I give myself to God, I thrive in the kingdom of God. And I thrive in my everyday life. One day you're going to need the church. One day you're going to need the church. Tragedy and trial is going to strike. And your church should be there for you. I, ho I hope they are. If it's this church, I hope we are. If it's another church, that's okay too. But I have a responsibility. Everybody say, I have a responsibility. And here's the principle. I reap what I sow. If I treat this place like a hotel instead of my home, you're going to be disappointed. And when trial and tragedy strikes, you're going to have regrets and you're going to blame God and be angry. It's just what's going to happen. You know, it's tough, man. There's two people in the hospice right now, right down the street. Worshiping here a few weeks ago, a few months ago. Now not. Don't have regrets. Don't make this a hotel. A good steward makes Christ's church his church. A good steward makes Christ's church his church. And in light of what Jesus did, we need to love, we need to pray, and we need to provide for a church, his church. The man in Mar's story had regret. At the end, through the trial, he had a lot of regret. It started out amazing. And then there was huge regret because he lacked stewardship. What is stewardship? Quite simply, it is this, recognizing that everything we have and everything we are is a gift from God, and we should be grateful, number one, and generous with those gifts. Let me read that again. Recognizing that everything we have and everything we are is a gift from God, and we should be grateful and generous. If you're greedy, the opposite of gener or greedy is generous, and it solves the greed problem. And trust me, I'm a selfish, greedy man. And I have to give that to God every day. There's been a lot of don'ts. So let's do some do's today. As we close up and get ready to worship. It says, don't neglect Christ. Jeff, you're telling me the don'ts. It's always so negative. Really? I'm an optimist. Here's the do's. Make Christ supreme in all areas of your life. The quote was, if Christ is supreme, then our relationship with him should be supreme. Don't neglect his cause. I think that's the one that stands out to us the most. His cause. The good news, don't neglect it. Make his cause your cause. And here's what we said about it. A good steward of Christ lives for the cause of Christ. And here's the last one. Don't neglect this church. Make it a priority. 
Make it, and, and listen, if this isn't the right church, we don't try and, you know, hold on to everybody. We release a lot of people. Because our job is to give the people love so that they can go to the church and feel connected in the best way. And that doesn't really build a church that well because people leave. But we believe that's God. And God will replace them with the people that are supposed to be here. As a believer in Christ, we must be good stewards in life. So as you've received a ranch or a gift from God, here's what it says. Be sure you know the conditions of your flock. Give careful attention to your herd. Know the seas. You've accepted Christ. He has a cause. And he has a church. For the riches will do not endure forever, and the crown will not, lot, will not be secure for all generations. As we close up today, I'm not telling you to sell everything and give it to the church. That would be ridiculous. But I'm telling you to be good stewards and do a moral inventory, do a fearless inventory of your life and say, where, where are my assets and where are my debts and where can I be a good steward? Where can I do some more for the kingdom of God? And don't do it here. Go to a church that makes sense for you. It's not about just building the little journey kingdom. It's about building the kingdom of God. So as we close today, uh, if you're a believer, you need to start praying right now that that person online or outside or inside that needs a savior or needs help will start to feel the power of God because this is when the message starts. When I'm leaving, this is when the message starts to sink in. So let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you and we lift you up and we know that you did a work. You've convicted us. You've challenged us. Now encourage us to live a life for your kingdom. Lord, if you are, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, or lost or hasn't accepted Jesus or needs to recommit. All you have to say is uh, a few words in prayer and watch your life be transformed. If that's you, if you're online, if you're here, if you're outside, all you got to say is, come into my heart, Lord, and be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. And thank you for rising up three days later so that I can have eternal life with you. Holy Spirit, take over my mind, body, and soul and be my Lord and Savior. We love you, King Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.